kindness to us in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we gather in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit as we come to worship, as we come to hear from from God. He speaks to us through his word. And uh, as we come to the word of God, I invite you to turn to 1 John 5, and then we want to have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the day that you have given to us. This is a day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, we uh, ask that you will come and meet with us. We pray that you will lift up your name before us. We pray that Christ would be exalted. We thank you for the historic redemptive events by which we have been saved. We thank you for your work for us in Christ, and we thank you for your work in us by your spirit. And Lord, we gather here as a needy people today. We gladly admit that, and we know that without you we can do nothing. And so, Lord, may our hearts be refreshed today. May we be encouraged as we fellowship together and we pray for our joint service tonight as well, that uh, that would be a good time of learning from your word and fellowship with other believers in, in our area. And Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. And today, again, as we come to your word, we pray you will give help and grace as we search the scriptures and learn these things that you have for us. And I pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Follow as I read in 1 John 5, beginning at verse 6, where we left off last week. John had told us that those who have been born of God have overcome the world. They have overcome the world. And the reason is, is because they're united to Christ, who is the one who is one day going to judge all of his enemies, and he will bring in a new heavens and a new earth. And so, as believers, we thank the Lord that we have overcome this world that would seek to conform us to its way of thinking and living. Follow as I read and follow up on that thought in verse 6. Speaking of, I'll go back to verse 5. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of him, of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is found in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I write, these things I have written to you, 
who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. May the Lord bless the reading of his word and his preached word today. In our study of John, we have been seeing that John is giving tests, we might say, or he is giving things by which we can know that we have a genuine faith, that we've not deceived ourselves. Because when God saves, it is a miraculous supernatural event. He changes a heart, takes out a stony heart, and gives a heart of flesh. He opens blind eyes to see things that, left to ourselves we are blind to. And so John emphasizes in this book over and again the idea of being born from above, being born of God. And uh, the three main things that we find in 1 John that are an indication that we have a genuine saving faith in Christ is seen in what we believe and also in love for the brethren and also uh, living a life of holiness. Um, We see here in in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, two of these tests, we might say. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, all right? So there's one, there is a right view of who Jesus is. He is, um, and it goes on, says, Christ uh, Christ is born of God. Whoever, excuse me, verse, verse, uh, verse one, I must start over. I've had a pinched nerve for two weeks now, and my... My mind is not working the way it should, so uh, bear with me today. Those medications haven't helped either. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, all right? So a true believer is one who has an orthodox view, understanding, maybe, maybe, may not be a huge understanding, but there is basic understanding of who Jesus is. And he is the Christ. And uh, he goes on to say that those who are begotten by God are going to love those who have been begotten by him. So there is love. There's, there's right belief. There is right kind of love, love for the brother and love for God. And then in verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we keep his commandments. There is holiness that we are called to keep his command, uh, commandments. So following up on this section, we come to verse 6 where now John is going to kind of speak again for the third time about who this is, who Jesus is. There have been false teachers had come into the church and had taught a, another Jesus. And so Paul, John, as he writes, he is seeking to um, show that the true identity of Christ and those who belong to him will believe what, what John has written here that he indeed is the Christ, and he is the Son of God. So we come to this verse, verse 6. He's, again, telling us who this Jesus is and amplifying it. Back in verse 5, he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is who overcomes the world. And now he's going to go on to speak a little more about who this Jesus is as the Son of God. What we find here in these verses is that there are three witnesses that are being called, as it were, 
to bear witness to who Jesus is, his, his identity. And so we want to look at that this morning. And as we look through this passage that I read, we'll find this word, bear witness, or to testify. We find it uh, nine times in these few verses. And uh, there is testimony that is being given. And there are three witnesses that are called. So this is kind of the language of the court. You might think of a judge sitting in a courtroom and prosecutor makes his um, defense or he makes his charges and then the, the defendant will have his attorney make uh, his defense. And so in a courtroom you have people coming to testify to what is true. And so here we are seeing that one of the main issues that John was dealing with is that these false teachers said that Jesus was not God. He was not the Son of God. They denied the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the case that is to be made is by John. He wants to refute this, and he's going to give his witnesses. So these false teachers preached another Christ. There was one man in particular, Serenthus, who was a Gnostic teacher, and he said that Jesus was only a man. He was a natural-born child of Joseph and Mary, so he did not believe in the virgin birth. And then um, he taught that at the baptism of Jesus, the Spirit of God came down upon him, or the Christ came down upon him. And then when Jesus, just before Jesus was crucified, the Spirit of Christ left him. And so these were the things that were being taught, and they denied the deity of Christ. Now, this is an important question. Who is Jesus? And we find this throughout the Bible. Who is this Jesus? John recognized that he is indeed the Son of God, and all who believe in him are saved. They have a salvation that has been provided by God to save them from sin and also to save them uh, from this world. As he said, here we are overcomers. And so he... He saves us, and he has the power and the ability to do that. So we want to look at these three witnesses that are given here in verses 6 through 9. The Old Testament speaks about when someone maybe has a charge against someone or they're in a a courtroom, there needs to be two or three witnesses. We see that in Deuteronomy um, 17.6. So there must be a witness, and John is going to give three witnesses here showing that Jesus is the Son of God. And he uses three witnesses. The first two are personified. One is water, and then blood, and then the Spirit. We see these three in in verse 6. Just a clarification as we go on here. Verse 7, if you have a newer translation of the Bible, you don't have uh, much of this verse. I think in the... In the uh, translations of the Bible, it just says, for there are three that bear witness. And then the rest of this verse is, is questioned because it's not found in the oldest manuscripts of, uh, uh, that we have. And uh, it is believed by many that this was, was not a part of the original text, not that there was anything wrong with it. What he says, that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world is certainly, oh, excuse me, that's wrong. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these are one. 
And so it picks it up again in verse 8. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three, three agree um, on, uh, these three agree as one. So first of all, we want to consider the water and the blood. This is kind of a difficult thing to interpret, and there are various views about what John means when he speaks about the water and the blood. Um, this has been a perplexing verse uh, when we think of the book of First John. Uh, many commentators have commented on it. Some of the main views, this was held by Luther and Calvin, is that it is speaking of the New Testament sacraments or the ordinances. So water is referred to the believer's baptism, and then also um, the blood would refer to the Lord's table. And these, um, they would say, are, are a witness. Secondly, there are those that say that it speaks of that event at Calvary. If you remember, one of the soldiers, to show that Jesus truly was dead, took a spear and drove it into his side, and out came blood and water. Many believe, some believe that this is what it is a reference to. This was a view of Augustine uh, and many of the ancient commentators as well. But I think one of the views that is most likely is the view that this is a reference to the ministry of Christ. So water is a reference to when he was baptized in the Jordan River. And then also blood is a reference to his death. So this encompasses the whole life and ministry, not the whole life, but the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ when he began his public ministry. And that was when he was baptized. So John is using this to be a witness to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. So when we go back to Matthew 3 that was read for us by Kyle, we see the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He comes to John the Baptist who is baptizing in the wilderness. And Jesus comes to John and says, you need to baptize me. John's response was, no, it should be the other way around. It should be you that is baptizing me. Because he was calling sinners to repent and prepare their hearts for the coming of the Messiah. And John is told by Jesus, it is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. So there is a sense in which Jesus is identifying with his people, with us, and that he entered into this baptism even though he was sinless. But it was him, it was he that would become, who would be made sin for us. And uh, so here is John as he is now baptizing Jesus in the water. And as, we, as was read, we see the effect of that, that when Jesus came up out of the water, we see this the dove that is descending from heaven and lights upon Jesus. And we see the Father, or we hear from the Father, who makes this utterance, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son. And so here is this testimony through water that at the beginning of this public ministry, It is the Father who says, this is my son. 
When we speak about Jesus as a son, it's not that he is, he is somehow begotten by the Father, that he had a beginning. It's speaking about an eternal relationship that Jesus had with his Father. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There was fellowship with God, and yet he at the same time was God. And so for all eternity... Jesus was, as it were, in the bosom of the Father. He knew his Father. He loved the Father and vice versa. So here at the outset from his public ministry is the fact that he is the Son of God as testified by the Father at the time of his baptism. Secondly, we see the second witness, which is the blood. And this would take us to the end of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And as he is on the cross and as he is giving up his life. Now, Serenthus and the Gnostic teachers said that Jesus, had, the, the spirit of Christ had arisen or left Jesus right before his death. But John wants to make the point that this one who died on the cross was indeed the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse 7. For there are three that bear witness in heaven the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit and water and the blood, and these agree in one. So John says that this one that is baptized by by John is uh, based on the word of the Father, that he is the Son of God. And also with the blood, you remember at Calvary, as Jesus is hanging on the tree, at midday that the earth, the, the sun did not shine for three hours. There were graves that opened up and there were those who were resurrected. And also there is the curtain that is torn in the uh, Holy of Holies, picturing the opening up of the, of the um, access to God by the work of Christ. But as we think about this, all these events are saying something about the one who is on the cross that this one is different, this is unique. And what we also hear, and, and that is coming from the lips of probably a pagan centurion, as they were observing all of these things, the earthquake and all the events that happened, he says this, truly this was the Son of God. He is the Son of God. So kind of bookends on the ministry of Jesus Christ, his earthly ministry is the baptism that is bearing witness to the fact that he's the Son of God. And on the other end, at, his, at the cross, at the time of his death, this also showed that he was the Son of God. And these, this was borne a witness by this centurion. So here is John again making these points that it's by water and it's by blood that our witnesses to this fact, this important fact that Jesus is the Son of God. And we must maintain as believers the person and the work of Christ. We know the work of Christ on the cross and we know um, his resurrection, but we need to know who it is that died on that cross. He's not a mere man, but he is none other than the Son of God. John Stott said this, to deny the incarnation and the dual nature of who Jesus Christ is is no trivial error. 
It undermines the foundations of the Christian faith and robs us of the salvation of Christ. If the Son of God did not take to himself our nature in his birth and our sins in his death, he cannot reconcile us to God. So John, again, is making the point. It's very important that we have a right understanding of who Christ is, that he is indeed the Christ. He is indeed the very Son of God, which is a term, again, that speaks to the deity of Christ. The third witness that is called is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit also bears witness. Now, it's not stated how he bears witness, but I think one of the things that we find as Jesus speaks in the upper room that he, is sending, he, he said he promises he's going to send the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that will come. And when he comes, he will testify of me. He will make known who I am and my work. And so the Spirit is the one who is testifying of the Lord Jesus Christ as to his identity. And we are told that he is truth. He speaks the truth and he cannot lie. He is the Spirit of truth. But also, as we think of the gospel, as it goes forth, as the Spirit of God is at work, We know if we look into our own hearts, if we've been born of God, this is a miracle of God's grace. There is this this indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is the one that opens blind eyes. He is the one that gives new life. And so this internal witness is the Spirit of God in the hearts of God's people so that they will understand who Christ is and they will cling to him. So here's the threefold test. And they're all saying the same thing. It says in verse 8 at the end, these three agree as one. Now, often in a court of law, you bring in witnesses and their testimonies don't go together. But it's not true with these witnesses. These witnesses bear witness and it is the same witness and they do not uh, speak a lie. So this Jesus is the Christ. He's the very son of God. When John finished his gospel, he wrote this in John 20, verses 30 and 31. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So it matters who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. He is the promised Messiah. And he is the one to whom we are called to look and believe in him. These are vital truths. As John will close this section, showing us that to know him and to believe in him is the difference between life and death. We might ask ourselves, what What do we do with the witness that has been given to us in God's word and in the writings that have been given to us? Do we have the same understanding and have we embraced this Christ? Notice verse 9, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has manifested of his son. So the father witnesses to his son in these various ways we've talked about. 
and it is the Spirit who applies these things to the heart. And we know that God is not a liar. The one that rejects this calls God a liar because they do not believe this. Verse 10, he who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. I wonder if there's anyone here today that that would be true of, that you are in essence calling God a liar because you do not believe what is said about this person, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there is a dividing line as we think of this, as this testimony is given, that he gives eternal life through his son. And in verse 12, he who has the son has life. And he who does not have the son of God does not have life. And I'm writing these things, John says, so that you may know, that you may know and be assured if you believed in him, that you have this eternal life. You've already become partakers of the world that is to come by being united to Christ. And so if there are serious consequences for unbelief. One commentator said this, that unbelief is not a misfortune to be pitied. It is a sin to be deplored. Its sinfulness lies in the fact that it contradicts the word of the one true God and thus attributes falsehood to him. Might that be someone here today who rejects the claims of scripture of who this Jesus is and it's calling God a liar? Well, if you're here in that condition, I point you to Christ. Flee to Christ and live in him. Repent. And believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because these truths are important. This Jesus is the only Savior of sinners. He is the all-sufficient Savior. So we go to him. Find everything that we need and simply trust in him. And call upon him to save us. So who has eternal life? Those who believe that he is the Christ. That he is the Son of God. This will be their testimony of Christ, and they have put their trust fully in him. And again, if there is anyone here that has not done that, I would urge you, I would beseech you to flee to him. So we're going to close at this point. I'm sorry, I've kind of been uh, bumping along here. My mouth is dried up. I don't have, I can't, I can't hardly speak. So if you would, let's stand together. And then we'll be dismissed by a word of prayer.